Welcome to Macaulay's podcast, Stories from the Ridge. We're excited to feature Macaulay alumni, faculty, and friends as they tell their stories about their careers, experiences, and of course, how their time on the Ridge has impacted those. We'll have something for everyone as we discuss a variety of topics, all celebrating the special brotherhood of Macaulay with an emphasis on honor, truth, and duty. Now on to our episode. Hello and welcome again to Stories from the Ridge, the Macaulay School podcast. I'm Tim Tanner and I'm proud to record and produce these podcasts sharing the many voices and stories from Macaulay School. Today we present the first of a three-part series looking at the Macaulay-Baylor football game, a rivalry with more than a century of history and the highlight of reunion weekend each fall. Today we feature alumni Mark Brock, Ellis Gardner, and George Robinson, three former football players from the class of 1979, as they share their memories of Blue Tornado football and stories from this big rivalry. Mark Weidmer, a member of the class of 1976 and a sports columnist for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, leads this conversation as these men recall the fun, tradition, and lessons learned playing football on the Ridge. Welcome to another edition of Stories from the Ridge. I'm Mark Weidmer, class of 1976, and joining me today are three proud members of the class of 79 who all have great stories about the Baylor-Macaulay rivalry. Um, George Robinson, Ellis Gardner, and Mark Brock, you're now on the clock. So I had my 40th reunion uh, a few years ago. Tell me how y'all feel that you're right here at your 40th year out of this school. It's basically unbelievable because by virtue of the fact that I've been coming to Macaulay and I'm a local guy, I come to Macaulay with pretty good frequency for football games and wrestling matches and other events that it doesn't seem like it's been 40 years. And, uh, and, and, but when I look in the mirror, I recognize that, oops, it really has been 40 years, hasn't it? No, y'all still look great. Ellis, I mean, all three of you were, were local kids here. None of you were boarders. What about that for you, 40 years out? Well, like George, I had cousins and brothers that came to Macaulay, so I grew up on this campus watching them, dreaming to be that football player, that wrestler. And it didn't pan out for me when I was a middle schooler. I was awkward and I was on the bench. But for 40 years to pass, it's the time that we raised our kids. And so it goes by in such a blur. Careers, we're all married to the same woman and we're all going strong and we're um, trying to figure out where we're going. And those 40 years just click away. Mark? pretty much the same of what they said. It's, it's really incredible. What I, what I find is that um, I have three grandkids now and that things exponentially go at a much higher pace once you're around small children, like we were with our own kids. You know, when they went from sixth grade to 12th grade, it's, it's a blur. And um, 40 years, um, I literally cannot believe that that is the case, uh, but it's, uh, it goes by fast, and um, I'm still proud to be a member of the Big Blue community. Along those lines, how much do y'all interact with classmates still? And, and I mean, how much of your class will you be seeing for the first time in, say, 20, 30 years? Um, you know, there's a good group here locally, and it, it's funny, once we get through the uh, progression of our kids going through school and going through college and they're basically on their own that's kind of picked up I've kind of also noticed that with my college friends as well you see them more there's a good group here um, Tony Hollander 
um, member of our class too for a while when he was here was working to put together lunches together which uh, I think we're working on doing one soon as well mm -hmm. so um, yeah it's it, it that picks up and that it's it's all good and I, I'm a lot of the people it will be a number of years since I've seen them when they do come back through again probably, we probably get what five guys that are coming for the second time in 40 years and it's always just such a special thing to see them because I mean remember when Bullock showed up like two years ago or whatever and it was like I introduced myself said um, this is a Macaulay reunion sir um, are you <laughs> sure you're in the right place is it George is Jim Bullock <laughs> oh my word who speaking of Macaulay Baylor happened to score I think the largest the longest run and that's uh, right. touchdown I think it was what in that home almost game. Huh? 80, 81, 82 uh, yards. It's probably gotten 10 yards longer every day. It sure has. Yeah, it yeah, sure has. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the reunions are great. Reunions are great. Ellis, what about you? Well, I've been on this campus a lot because I married into the headmaster's family. And I see some of the guys that come back. The boarders are the ones we don't see on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't bump into them at the YMCA or mm -hmm. the grocery store. But they'll come back for their kids. And sometimes when we get some people that were day students that moved away, when they come back, we'll try to have small gatherings. Um, just to get hey, anybody that can go to Big River Grill. John Deetson's in town, but of course now John's moved here. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. all day students, Mark, and and so our connection to Macaulay is different from the connection that the boarding students have. You know, we're more likely to send our kids here. So Mark was on campus for I don't know, probably 15 years yeah, with your least. three boys, and mm -hmm. I was I had about that many years with my two as they were coming through, but. You get some guys like Knox Proctor or Vernon Taylor who, who come back for reunions, or Adolfo, come right. back for reunions, but we don't get to see them every day. So the but reunions they, are awesome, and, um, and and I think they really have a, a different kind of connection because they lived here. This is all, all they knew when they were in Chattanooga. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Y'all played for a legendary coach and Pete Potter and um, – if each of you could just share a favorite memory of playing for Potter, which probably wasn't always so fun at the time. Um, I, I have plenty. Um, some <laughs> that I might not want to impart here to the... Understandable. You know, um, we had a love-hate relationship. Um, you know, he was always one of those guys that you just wanted to please. You did. You always just wanted to do everything you could to please him. That wasn't always real, real easy. Um, he was he was he was pretty tough on me. I remember um, Scott Mercer and I would have phone calls on Sunday night to to vent, and we would vent. Either we'd had a really great game on Friday or not so great a game on Friday. It was going to be the same Monday film room, no matter what. And um, I love Pete. I wanted to, to always please him. Um, um, but he, again, he was tough to please. Um, I think he might have said one thing nice to me that I can remember, quite honestly. <laughs> and I'll never forget him saying one time in practice to me, I wish you could throw it to yourself. And I thought that was the nicest thing he ever said to me. So. <laughs> I don't even understand that. <laughs> My Pete Potter story is probably that he, I credit him for discovering Ellis Gardner as a football player because I was a 
crappy athlete growing up. And I did not intend to play after I'd gotten my first letter and I wasn't gonna be the family wimp. I got a letter for surviving 10th grade football. And I called him up the night before the first practice to tell him I wasn't playing just out of courtesy. I'd been in his biology class the year before. And I couldn't get him on the phone, of course. They didn't have an answer machine yet. So I showed up to the first practice. And the beginning of the first practice, he says, all right, you go off with that coach, you go off with that coach. And he turned to me and one boarder that named Randy Starr said, now Randy, I've met you. And he looked at me and said, who are you? You're new here. And I remember looking down at him because I'd grown four inches and 40 pounds. And I said, Coach Potter, I'm Ellis Gardner. I made an A in your biology class. And he smiled and said, hot damn, found me a tackle. <laughs> so instead of quitting football, he put me as a starter. Put you as a starter, which and, led to uh, your pro football career. Yep, and got me some recognition. Got um, what something I really needed was a way to go to college for free. That worked. Yep. Yeah. Ellis, what did you weigh in your ninth grade year? I was probably 155, 160. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of my senior year, I'd gotten taller and I jumped that big jump. I was right at 195, 200, and then the football season, I probably ended up 195. Your senior year? Senior my senior year? year. That's all? That's what we were. I know. You well, I was tall and, and gangly, and, and then they, Georgia Tech made me eat breakfast, and I went to 260 real fast. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and probably the weight room. Yeah, the weight we room. We didn't really have a weight room. <laughs> right. We had some weights in a room, but it wasn't <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't have a, a special Potter story because uh, Coach Potter was, was – Thankfully for me, Coach Potter was, was determined to be true to the platooning method. And so players played one side of the ball. Ellis and a couple other guys were exceptions in, in, in you know, a special play or a special need like in the Baylor game. But so, I mean, you either played defense or you played offense. And so he coached mostly offense. And Coach Cherry coached mostly defense. And I wasn't talented enough for offense, so I only played defense. And so Cherry was the guy in my head. And, and hit me in the head and chirping at me and telling me I was a cookie pushing softy mm -hmm. from Lookout Mountain. And it was just, it was funny and it was fabulous. And, uh, but Potter, he was, a, he was a good old country boy. And he would end up practices with something I never heard in my life, because I'm not a good old country boy. And he would say, what did he, didn't he say? Let's go eat a bean. No, go get your yeah. beans. Go get your beans at go the get, end yeah. of practice. And that just cracked me up because I had no idea what, what that meant. But I just knew practice was over, so I was happy. <laughs> George he was, was the only starter as a sophomore in our, Keith, in our class. Keith got hurt. Keith started as a ninth grader. That's right. Keith Sloan, but he got That's hurt, so he couldn't play. But he, he certainly would have started at defensive back. But, yeah, I was, and I was lucky because if he hadn't platooned, then there's a really good chance I wouldn't have had a chance to play my sophomore year. And it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Guys, this is going to run on the week of the Baylor-McCauley game. And um, obviously, for all of us in this room, Baylor-McCauley is a huge rivalry. But, Ellis, you've played in some other pretty big rivalries, Georgia Tech-Georgia, with the Chiefs facing the Raiders and the Broncos. How does this rivalry stack up in your mind with, with some of those other games you've played in? Well, to put it in perspective, in the NFL – as a rookie, I had to go into Los Angeles Stadium and face-to-face -face with Lyle Alzado and Howie Long. And when they realized, when they were punching me in the stomach and I didn't have the ball, they better get and find the ball carrier. Are you serious? Serious. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and 
that was something that was important and everybody in the nation would see the score, but you didn't have to live with the other people in the same town. Georgia, Georgia Tech, now I'm a Chattanooga guy, and so I went down to Atlanta to play in that game, and it was what they call a case of good old-fashioned hate. And it wasn't hate so much, it was just gonna be, you're gonna see these guys around the state. A lot of my friends went to high school with some of them. Uh, that did happen to be the same years as Herschel Walker was playing for that team. And so I feel it parallels my experience with the Baylor-Macaulay game. But with Baylor-Macaulay, you're living in the same town with those people. And 40 years later, they remember the score. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks to Google. <laughs> <laughs> George, what about you? Um, I don't have any rivalries from college or from, uh, from, from my pro football experience. But, um, you know, the, the Macaulay-Baylor Macaulay Baylor rivalry is it just just eats you alive from in all sports football wrestling tennis it doesn't matter it's it's a school rivalry and it just so happens that that you know we're talking about football and I participated in the football rivalry but um, you know it was uh, uh, when I remember when Ralph came to Macaulay and he talked about the uh, as the coach and he talked about his priorities for the team. And he said that uh, my number one priority is to win state. My second priority is to beat Baylor. My third priority is to win, win make it to the playoffs. Yeah. So I we have a chance. Played. So we have a chance to win state. Right. It would go play. It go. It go. It. I always thought it was one beat Baylor, two make the playoffs, three win okay. the state championship. Okay. Could have been. And and I like that order better. <laughs> I it do works, too. But it works better for this this conversation, of course. But um, my my position was always that that every you know that I was raised under Coach Potter. And Coach Potter, every game mattered. The game that mattered was the game in front of you. And he and Cherry were 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 really such just fantastic coaches, where they convinced you every single week that the team that you were facing was going to beat you if you didn't do, and they'd tell you what you had to do. And, 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 you know, I guess I'm just compliant and a sucker because I believed them every time. We might win 38 to nothing, but I believed going into the game <clears throat> that if I didn't do my job and if my, the guys around me didn't do our job and if Mark, you know, didn't take the snap well and fumble the ball all over the place, that we were gonna lose. And I believed it and they were fantastic coaches. And so when I think about Baylor Macaulay, I think that it's the most, it's the game you're gonna never forget. I don't think it's the most important game of the year. I think it was the most important game that week, but it certainly is a game that you're never, ever, ever going to forget. And it's the only game that anybody's going to remember the next year kind of universally. Mike, Mike, Mark might remember a special pass that he threw against Hickson, and I might remember knocking some guy's helmet off or something, but, you know, Baylor McCauley, was, you're, you're never going to get away from it. And that's, when you lose, that's the way you feel about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a long time. Um, it takes a lot. We were nine and one our mm -hmm. senior year. Very good. We were a very good team back then. Not every only one team made the playoffs, mm -hmm. which I to this day am frustrated by. You have teams that are four and six making the playoffs, mm -hmm. and, which is fun to go to the playoffs. That would have been great, great fun. You mean today? Today, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but losing to them, it basically took my three boys beating them nine years in a row for me to get over it. And that helped tremendously. So, uh, in all honesty, that was um, 
meant more to me them winning than our team winning. Now, no took, offense to that. But I took that, my sister's boyfriend's car after we lost because we played midday, right? Sure did. And I was gone for six hours. I must. I probably drove to Asheville and back. I was just. I was. I was captain. I, I was one of the captains that day, and I had a horrible game. I mean, it was just miserable. My first. We played a different defense, and I was doing different stuff. And I scored, they, they score you in defense for you know, unassisted tackles and tackles and sacks and fumble recoveries and stuff. And I had, I had zero points in the first half. And then we went back to our base defense in the second half. And I scored the most points I'd ever scored in a game in three years in the, just the second half. And it's, we just, we, we tried to do something in, on the defensive side of the ball that gave them 21 points and then we shut them out in the second half and um it was just you know, from a defense was, that never gave up any points yeah i was going to tag along with george's memory as he said before we were in a platooning situation i was the offensive tackle but because i had some wrestling skills and i was the biggest guy in the field pete potter would put me in as a pass rusher at the end of a game or when we needed to stop or just as a, a closer, so to speak, against some teams. And when against Baylor, they were up 21 to nothing, and then we scored the long run by Jim Bullock, and then we got 14 points, and they got the ball back at the beginning of the fourth quarter and started marching after two first downs. I strapped my helmet back on, and I went over and stood next to Coach Potter. I wasn't going to say anything because I respected the man too much, but when he caught my eye and he looked at the field, Real frustrated, he said, get in there. And then I heard him yell over my shoulder, Robinson, he doesn't know what he's doing, so cover for him. <laughs> and the next play, they ran their great fullback, Troy Potter, down their left side, and I'd thrown the offensive tackle out of the way, and I had met Troy right on the line of scrimmage. Tried to get the ball out of his hands, but we all, you know, Powell fell over. Red Edder called the next play to the other side. And then they were three and out, and we got the ball back. And then and we drove. And then we had Did maybe we the one timeout. We had. And we, Mark has the end of the game story. So we were um, we were driving, and um, we were really really good the entire game from the twenty to the twenty. We were really good. We moved the ball up and down the field from the twenty to the twenty. Uh, had difficulty inside there, um, but we got things going, and we had a nice kind of drive going and I remember calling a timeout or Coach Potter called the timeout and I went over and asked him I said look we were on about their, maybe their 30 something like that I said maybe coach closer. maybe closer I said coach let me just drop back and let me just and, and we'll and let's just I'm gonna throw the ball up to Ellis he was our tallest guy on our team um, the jump ball would have because their, their safeties were not real real tall and I felt like they had, we had a height advantage I said, you know, let me just throw it up there to him. And he looked at me and he goes, I, I, just, I just can't see that happening. I mean, he was very calm, he was very cool about it. I, I, I always respected him for that. He wasn't, you know, he appreciated the, he appreciated, um, the thought, he really did. And, but he said, no, Mark, we're just gonna go with our regular game plan. Let's just try to get it to Jimmy. And that was Jimmy Bullock on a, a, on a wheel route. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it got blocked. The defensive back made a really nice play and blocked it out of the way. Probably one of the seven passes you threw that whole game, right? I threw 11. 
Did you really? Eleven. That's a lot for a Pete Potter team. It was a lot for. Well, oh, that could be a whole season for some it quarterbacks. Was usually, it was usually option right, option uh, left, but mostly right. <laughs> we actually it was so much sprint out. We yeah. were running so much sprint really? out that as I would keep, he told me he said when you sprint out, look to run first. So we kept doing that, and we like I said, we moved the ball, but we were frustrated towards the getting it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You you brought this up about your your children never losing to Baylor. Were there any uh, promises of gifts there from you if they would win those games? No, no, um, probably not. I wanted to, once they won, John won his senior year, won the ninth in a row, I really wanted to start a sticker at Macaulay that just had the number nine on that. Because that would have been... Actually, I'm sorry, it would have been 11 at that time. 11 straight. It was 11, and they lost the following year. Mm-hmm. So we were going to, I was going to have a sticker of 11 and then have in parentheses nine. Mm-hmm. And nobody would know what that nine meant. Did you like playing at Chamberlain? I did. I thought it was great fun. I did. I love playing there. It felt like it was a special place. It was the big time. It did. I felt like it was really, um, it was the Well, you're the on game a college the field. You're on a college field, and it is the game of the year to be played there. I, I thought that was great. Did you uh, did you like playing in the middle of the day? Um, yeah, I actually did. I asked because I didn't. You didn't? No, it had me all out of out of rhythm. I now, did y'all I, always play those games in the middle of the day? When Baylor, you, Saturday. Baylor, 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 Saturday. Our junior year, we played at night. Ah, yeah. Okay. In a monsoon. I think, uh-huh. did, I think we played at night our sophomore year, too. We did. Um, so it was the middle of the day that got me. It didn't because I, I didn't. I wasn't in a normal routine and probably just nervous. You know, looking back, I was nervous, but I was blaming it on the fact that we were playing in the middle of the day. I like for the fact that I was out we of place soon. Oh really? Okay. Do y'all wish that the games were on neutral sites still, or do you like the being on campus? You know, I I like the energy of being on the campuses. I I don't like the fact that the parking's awful and that there are so many people that choose not to go to the game because they don't want to have to deal with, you know, at Baylor parking at Walmart and walking the railroad tracks. My mom and dad got lost finding their car um, uh, in the dark after my son's uh, senior year game. And you were, I mean, my, my son was part of the team uh, in 2011 where the bus got stuck, stuck on the bridge because there was a big game on signal and there was Macaulay Baylor at Baylor, and the team was late. And, uh, and our team showed up, and they were out of sorts. And, I mean, the cheerleaders didn't get – I think the cheerleaders got to the game before the, the team did. It was just a disaster. So, yeah, I think the neutral site, I think Finley Stadium is the preferred space. Although the first game at Macaulay, when we beat them, um, and we had the, you know, what, what – 12,000 people there or whatever the number was. It's pretty sweet. That was a that was a really special experience. That, there's a picture I saw in, um, walking over here because my nephew is in the picture mm. and it's got the sun behind it while they're playing. It's a, it, That night was really special. Yeah. Yeah. LS, you, you kind of joked about this earlier when you and I were talking, but how hard was it to put on a red jersey with the Chiefs? They had to pay me a lot of money after <laughs> Georgia and then Baylor. <laughs> I still don't like wearing red. I, my, my, my son brought a, a girl home from college, and she showed up, and I'm wearing a beat Baylor shirt. <laughs> she, she looked at Walker and said, 
you were serious about this high school raffle and stuff, weren't you? When, you know, I got yeah. over pretty quickly going to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, there was a story that almost happened. My freshman year at Georgia Tech, I was playing second string offensive tackle, and they were grooming me to start sophomore, junior, senior year. But we had two defensive linemen get hurt late in the year. And we had one big game at the end of the year. They needed one offensive lineman, freshman, to move over and play defense. And they were going to let Against Tarsal. Against Mark Brock on the JV. <laughs> it was going to be a warm-up game for the big games. That's just in case they needed someone else got hurt, this you know former offensive lineman would have to go in there. So I would have been playing defense on the freshman-freshman team, chasing down the quarterback I protected for two years. But the offensive line coach stepped forward and said, we might need him on Saturday. He can't play. Do you remember talking to me after the game and telling me that? I do. I do remember that. <laughs> I remember the, the, maybe I had some, you know, viciousness in my, my, my voice. And you had a, a look like, are you still my friend? <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how do y'all interact with, with guys in town now after all these years who are Baylor grads? I mean, is there a lot of trash talking from y'all the week of the game? Not for me. Not really. I, mean, I think no. it's mutual respect. Not really. I, once we got to college and when some of us, you know, like Mark was at Georgia with some other guys that were from Baylor, and um, I went to Georgia Tech with some other guys. George was at Duke. But you come back home, and it's like a shared experience. Now, there might be a little bit of, of boasting, but not trash talking. We're too refined for that. All right, guys, I, I asked the last group this. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want each of you to pick uh, the winner and the score that you think will happen in this one. Macaulay, 14 to 10. George? 35-14, Macaulay. 42-14, Macaulay. I like this group. Thanks, guys, so much for being a part of this. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It was awesome.